0: From Headstuff Studios in Dublin, welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast of words Irish. Irish words, words from Ireland, and Danelahus. You can't spell Lahus without O's.
1: Well, you Demo- can. <laughs> you can. Yeah. You can't spell Lahus without ass And if you put a fud on it, it would be
0: Aarhus. Dane Lahus, of course, being a democracy and Aarhus being happy. And I'm I'm more than to today. I'm air beach. I'm air <laughs> fucking bish. <beach. laughs> because my good friend and co-host contributor, Padro Kivonig, has risen, has risen from the ranks of keyboard warrior <laughs> to elected official.
1: Well, one of my favourite moments of the election campaign was a tweet from um, a journalist who said, uh, "Twitter's at the Cav official has just become South Dublin County Council's <laughs> councillor Peter Kavanagh." So yeah, yeah, I'm on Corlur Pather Um I was very recently elected to serve the people of Clondalkin, where I was born and reared. And uh, yeah, I'm over the moon. It's absolutely fantastic. And it's great to be finally able to take part in season two because... I've been out knocking on doors and talking to people instead of sitting in a podcast studio, but I guess that's how you win elections.
0: I guess so. You know, I guess you, you can only get so far in the podcast vote. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Th-
1: not that the podcast vote doesn't help. I won a seat by 39 votes. Literally every single, every tweet, every podcast, every everything helped. So to all the motherfucker listeners in Clondalkin who gave me a vote or even a high preference, Gramila Mogav, because I uh, wouldn't be here without you guys.
0: That's fantastic. 39 votes. How many were spoiled? Oh, an inordinate amount.
1: Oh, there was an incredible amount of spoiled votes, uh, and a disproportionately high amount of spoiled votes. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that we were asked to vote on three things: there was European election, mm-hmm. local election, and there was the referendum. And a lot of people went in with one single issue on their mind, or one single candidate in mind, or whatever, and would have spoiled the other two ballots. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there was a disproportionately high uh, number of votes in the area that I in the area that I was. There was a um. You know, there was a turnout of about 39%, which isn't great. But even in amongst that, there were over 500 non um, valid uh, ballot papers, which was just it, that's huge. That's yeah. huge.
0: And I mean, I know this has been kind of chat about that we Irish people we love the the blood sport, the kind of the spectacle. This is this is our cricket, the 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 because it takes
1: five days yeah. before you know who's
0: won. That basically proportional P or STV, proportion representation single transferable vote is effectively yeah you know, our uh, our multi day our it's it's our um, it's our Monte Carlo Grand Prix or our, our our cricket <laughs> our our many, many day event it's
1: yeah, to be honest with you if you look at some of the um, the comments around it every year and of course I'm guilty of this in in other years when I'm when I'm not running for election it is a spectator sport in a big way and you're all sitting there looking at going, Cavan is doing well now he's after transferring well out of people before profit and if you can just hang on and get a good whack off the shinners then he'll stay ahead of labor and he'll- <laughs> and that's exactly how it turns out but like of course what you're doing is you're speculating on something that has already happened and we just don't know the result of. So it's absolutely fascinating. You're not, you're not, there's nothing the competitor can do uh. <laughs> at this stage it's like it's been done it's been yeah. done over the last it's been done over the last couple of weeks of campaigning the last uh, couple of months of building profile and talking to people the last couple of years of activism in the mm-hmm. community everything is done and you're just saying well it'll be interesting now to see how this falls and how it, how it pans out
0: but It really is and also you, you get a certain you get a certain level of candour from politicians in those days around the election results that you don't always get uh, in the weeks ahead on, on kind of the questions and answers of the prime times or the, the equivalent programmes where you know there's the kind of um, I I'll, I'll let you let me finish, I let you finish. And <laughs> whereas-
1: well, I didn't interrupt you, Derek. So if you do.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, uh, yeah, you do. You get politicians basically treating it as as a as a game at this stage, and and you know it's not really flippant, it's not frivolous, it's just kind of cathartic because you've been through. A huge battle for weeks and weeks, and that 's where you have your uh, now i I let you finish if you let me finish or you know i didn 't interrupt you and if you would just if I could just say if I could just say if I could just say <laughs> you do all of that in advance, but then like after the fact everybody 's absolutely drained you 're just sitting there you can 't win another vote once they start opening once they open the ballot boxes and said you can 't win another vote in that election you know mm-hmm. so you, you can be you can afford to be really honest and you can afford to go, you know what? I don't think uh, you know, I don't think and Fine Gael are that different. I think they're going to transfer well to each other. <laughs> and these are people who have spent the previous seven years saying, we're totally diametrically opposed. Mm. We're nothing like those lads, And they're going like, no, we're hoping to get a big raft of transfers there now off the Fine Gael candidate <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> it's it, it is a fascinating process, and I think I think when people come to Ireland and they realize this is this is one of the things that we actually do. Look, look, electoral politics that way, and I think when you and I, like when you take an interest in other elections, as as we, we we both do, it's just not quite the same. The um, it's it's like the American elections re- remind me sometimes of those those late Tyson boxing matches that were over in 45 seconds since the, <laughs> when and he
1: started it's like the world champion Mike Tyson against uh, Jimmy Boxcar that we found down the train yard here you go I
0: was like yeah basically just wondering like maybe he'll bite the ear but, but the, the, if, if there's a, nobody wants to pay per view for a first round knockout and
1: no that's true if, it, if it's free to air mm-hmm. I love watching boxing on RTE and TG Carr and I'm always hoping for an early round knockout but god if I've paid for the fight I want 12 <laughs> rounds. <laughs> I want the full-on first fight between Rocky and Apollo Creed. I want both men on the deck at the end, st- struggling to stand up. Yeah, the, the first-past-the-post system, for a start, I find it incredibly and deeply unfair. And, you know, I, I'm amazed. Like, there was a referendum in the UK recently where they decided to keep it. The Lib Dems went into coalition with the, um, with the Conservatives. And one of their... Um, you know, one of their their policy points, one of the promises they got was the chance to hold a referendum to shift to the alternative vote, a different system. Uh, that would have meant more representation for smaller parties in Parliament. Uh, like, the the way it is over there is the Greens in, um, in England and Wales, they can pick up a significant amount of votes. They could get as high as 15% of the votes in some areas. They could get as high as 10% in some areas. And yet, yeah. for the last two... Parliament sessions we've had one MP because there's only one seat in which there's sort of an understanding that other left-leaning parties won't run against Caroline Lucas and she's able to hold a seat for the Greens even though Labour tried to to renege on that uh, informal agreement and ran candidates against her recently She still held on well and she's won but that's desperately unfair because you can basically govern for as little as 30% of the uh, of the people you know if you're in a in a in a in a ward or in a constituency where you're the conservative mp or you're the conservative mm-hmm. councillor you can be elected with as little as 31 32% of the vote uh you know mm-hmm. at, at least in ireland it's multi seat constituencies so you don't even need to get 30% of the vote but I represent X amount of people, you represent X amount of people, and we're all going to hold each other to account. And, and there's yeah. a healthy democracy inside every single constituency, inside every single local electoral area, inside every county council. And I, I do think it's it's eminently fairer than first-past-the-post systems, which are just... yeah.
0: I, it's just gutting. I think so because I mean, look that um, John Major got more votes, more Tory contor- conservative votes than Thatcher ever did, but he lost loads of seats because he was getting these, you know, massive numbers in the home counties. But he wasn't. Uh, but whereas for, for uh, the I think it was the there was a split in Labour at the time when in Thatcher and Thatcher's early years. I think that led there yeah there was there was
1: there was a split the um, the, the social Democratic wing of labor uh, yeah. sort of a uh, uh, yeah the, there was and, and that managed to keep Thatcher in power because she had a power base only in the home counties and you ended up with and it's kind of we've seen it again in in recent months over there with the change UK splitters leaving uh, labor and they're effectively going out there to damage Labour, which is like, okay, so you guys are like from the Labour Party, you're in a first-past-the-post system, and you're going out there to run candidates against the Labour Party and the Conservatives. All it's going to do is empower the Conservatives. If you look at the combined vote of a Labour candidate and a JGK candidate, you could have beaten Tories, you know?
0: We need to have a telethon to end left-on-left violence. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first
1: on the agenda is the split.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's... I... It's. I mean, without getting into too much detail, there's uh, it's, it's some of the left on left squabbling is uh, is, uh, is mortifying. But I won't. I won't dwell on not because there's so much more. Particularly, Patr, uh, you have been elected to represent your hometown, yeah. the, the the village of the Larks, Clondalkin.
1: The village of the Larks.
0: That's not one I've heard.
1: Is that not? What it's, is that
0: not the name of Clondalkin? No.
1: no <laughs> the village of the Larks, Clundalkin, is Dalkin's Meadow. Um, the
0: meadow of the Larks. Is Dalkin a lark? <laughs> He's having a lark. Are we having a lark? <laughs> no. Okay.
1: Dulcon's, Dulcon's a person's name. I'm um, from Clun the meadow of Dulcon, who was a uh, large landowner who granted uh, land to St. Cronon Makua uh, to build a monastery way, 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 way back when. One of the largest early Christian settlements, uh, early medieval Christian settlements in Ireland. And uh, yeah, I'm from there. I'm very, very proud to have stood for election there. I'm even prouder to have won, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, it was. Um, Look, it's amazing. There's such a, there's such an incredible honor and privilege to actually get the trust of so many people who live in your area mm-hmm. and want to make that place better. And it's a massive constituency, like it's a massive uh, local electoral area. It stretches all the way from the border of Kildare up at Hazelhatch down to the border of Wicklow at Britus. Uh, so there's a, a lot of geographical area. And I'm from the village of Clondalkin, right bang smack in the middle of it. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it, it's uh, a, was what made me, it made me, a, it made me a Gaelgore because there's lots of Guelga in Clondalkin, and uh, making me a Gaelgore made me a podcaster. And mm-hmm. uh, podcaster may have made me a politician, who knows <laughs> <laughs> But yeah it's uh, ah, look it's fabulous it's a, it's a great day for the parish you know we elected a lot of a lot of great people out there as well like there's um, another grail gore from Clondauken who went to my old school Ono Brin, um is uh, an independent counsellor there uh, Is this
0: she, the other Owen? The
1: other Owen he shares the same name with the high profile Sinn Féin TD who also lives in Clondalkin. so that was confusing in, in my respects Is he from the the, the Skull as well? Yeah he was, he was from the Grail school from Killian, so So This out.
0: is a fairly massive like output from a one from one particular school,
1: from one particular school, we have now provided ten percent of the current councillors in South County Dublin, uh, South Dublin County. Um, so Shane Moynihan is a Fianna Fowler who ran in the Palmerstown Font Hill ward and he was returned. And one of my dearest friends, Liam Sinclair, uh, is a Green Party councillor like myself for the Talla area. And uh, and then there's the independent owner Brin. So that's four of us. And then you add in Hazel the Norton, the uh, Socialist councillor for uh, Ballyfermot in uh, Dublin City Council, that's five county councillors to come from one small um, grail, g- grail Skull. Um, this, uh, it's so funny, I've been dealing all morning with the people accusing the Grail Skulls of being elitist again. This, it's going oh This man. is the point. And, and I, <laughs>
0: I, I know you have a lot to say about this, so I'm going to kind of try and confine your answer uh, explicitly. The... The fact that Clondalkin did it has, it has a Gale school. a solid working class area was granted this facility, has been. I mean, the fact that it so many so many councillors have emerged from it, and it has been been such a part of the civic structure of the, of the town.
1: Yeah, well the first thing I'll, I'll, I'll I, I hate to cut across I hate to cut across you there. This is okay. just like prime time. Um granted is kind of a misnomer there because it was yeah. Winter Cronon, a community activist group in Klundauken, who worked very hard to establish the first Gail School in the area, the first primary school at school Cronon in Rathcool and then girls' School Clundulcon in uh, yes, in Clundauken in and Kaloshtakillian um in, in the nineteen eighties. So I think that the school has sort of instilled us with this spirit of activism that if you want change, you know, the Gandhi um bomb be the change you want to see in the world and, yeah. and I think it's kind of instilled in all of us that And you know it's a very mixed area there are parts of Clendalken that are very solidly working class and there are parts of Clendalken that are quite as the Irish Times would say leafy <laughs> because that's how we describe middle class area because apparently the <laughs> poor eat trees or something but uh, yeah leafy um, it's, so it's, it's quite mixed it's great and and you know we, we draw in people to the Gael School from all walks of life which is mm-hmm. fantastic so we had in my, in my school uh, in my year uh, we had, I think, we had two people hit six hundred points, which is incredible, uh, absolutely fantastic in the leaving cert. Back when, I don't know if, if six hundred points is even the the max anymore. I think they, they have, have loads of extras now. You they have a
0: new thing. seven
1: hundred and forty mm. quiffles to a snitch. Like it's like I, no idea. It's all turned into Hogwarts since I left. Yeah. And then we had, you know, with some people who got fewer points than a triangle, but sure, that's not what they were there for. Like they were, you know what I mean. They they went on to apprenticeships and went on to do different things. They weren't academically focused, and I think that all oh, that's fine. Like you know, we need to we need to. Re- realize that girls school and if they if there is a weakness to girls school it's not that they're elitist is that perhaps they're too academically focused and they aren't yeah. I'd love to see Grail school in a focus on apprenticeships focus on uh, vocational training focus on work placements and things like that as well as pushing people onto uh, the old school the, the university particularly childcare yeah, well, that's that's what's needed, like you know. Because I, mean? I think uh,
0: the big thing now is, is I suppose that the that the the Irish language crashes seem to be a very uh, very hot in demand. I'm going to talk next about uh, about local government and the Irish language.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think um, local government has a very strong role in putting forward the Irish language. Like, there's there's little practical steps that can be done like for example the naming of new developments new estates and things yes. like that like, and this is a big issue uh, in the area like <laughs> without getting back to cartoon sectarianism what the hell are we doing building places called Somerton Mews and <laughs> stuff like that in, in, in Ireland we have just incredible place names the the Temple tiire Tíire they're just amazing like there's there, there, there's one there's, there's a place up by my way just out in the countryside just outside and between Clondoggan and Newcastle there's a lane called Ballonarelle and hmm. um, like so Balya Balje on Relig uh, the, the, the town of the cemetery and, like there's no town there there's yeah. no cemetery but there was there was once and this is fascinating and, and we're in danger of completely and totally losing this just because some developer thinks if I call it Hampton Creek it'll sell for 450 grand.
0: Is that the thing do developers get to name it whatever they want?
1: Developers get to put forward a name and you know local authorities get to have a say on it mm-hmm. and uh, I think in particular when it comes to public housing it's the um, it's the local authority that chooses but I think we do need to have a look at the loganica that we're using and certainly some some of them should be 100% Oscar there's, there's, yep. what Like, this should be no skin off anyone's nose. I would struggle to find anyone who would have a legitimate protest because they live in a place called Ordinary, instead of King's Heights. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it, it really isn't a thing. It's not a thing and it's something we can do for the Irish language that makes the Irish language more pro- high profile. It looks good. It, you know, it allows people to, the, people are saying Irish from an early age. doesn't matter where they're from. They're saying, oh, I live in Ordinary and oh, what's that mean? You know, Lugan and are a fantastic way of putting forward the Irish language and yeah. local authorities just need to step up to the plate and make sure that you know, we're not, Jeepers, building Tanland 2.0 over here, like
0: you know. It's it does seem. I'm, I'm I'm not sure if it's because some of the builders made their money over there and kind of had their kind of uh, they went over and, and came, came back with all these with their with their inferiority complex, kind of <laughs> aggravated. And there's, I, th- I think there was a char- Charles Land, and, uh, and like a, I mean, which which Charles you referring to? There's a Charles <laughs> Land. Or, I think it's around with is like. Who's Charles? Yeah. <laughs> Spit it out. Um,
1: K. A. I, K A Charles. K A Charles. Kane Charles. Carl. Call Kane Uh As the son of someone who went over to work on building sites and carried a hod in England, I don't <laughs> think the inferiority complex is is uh, is universal. But yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, uh, I God, yeah, maybe that's exactly why. I think to be honest, with you, it's probably more on the dollar bill thing. Like we all have aspirational living ideas, you know. Yeah. We, you know, I mean, I remember um, my good friend Liam, who was also elected for Tala. We we grew up in the same housing estate in Clondalkin, and one day we had to go into the girls' school and say, you know, why is your name? Why is the why is the name of your your area that way? And we we grew up yeah. in a in a an estate called Cherrywood. And he came in and he said, I found out, he said uh, a builder thought the name was nice <laughs> and wanted to sell houses. So like mm. seven year old Lima had his finger on the pulse all the way back then. But oh. yeah, it's a, I think it's really is it's a it's a question of optics and it's just nakedly a question of optics across the board. We're not calling it Somerton Mews or Hampton Heights or, you know, the Charles Land because of any particular connection to those names. We're calling it because it looks good. It sounds good and it sells houses. Well, why not call it something Oscar? Because it looks good, it sounds good, and yeah, sure, of course it'll sell houses. We've already seen like that people are more likely to um to, and at the end of the day, look, it's housing. It's a captive it's a completely totally captive audience. The market is so yeah. shit for people my age or for people from my socioeconomic background that like, like we don't buy in Hampton Mews because it's called Hampton Mews. We buy because, oh Christ, yeah. I can afford this house and it's available. And it's also close to the bus I can take to be in work in two hours. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. we're not <laughs> <laughs> oh, Somerton! I don't like the sound of that. I wouldn't buy that house.
0: in this market, you could even sell a house in Bastardstown Wexford. <laughs> like and that. there really is there is a, Bastardstown. a place called Bassers Town in Wexford.
1: Balloon Wastard. Yeah, there is. Uh, I oh God, I love the Wexford place names. I love the Wexford place names. There's I'm also
0: little, a Horace Town.
1: There's um. There's a Templar's Town. Oh yeah! Oh cool! Literally founded by the Knights Templar, and the church they built is still there. Very nice seafood restaurant across the road from it. Actually, it's very good. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's an Arthur's town. There's a basically what happened was a, when the Normans, when the Cambro-Norman invaders of eleven of the eleven seventies, eleven sixty nine on, landed, they landed in Wexford, and they were given large tranches of land by the king of Leinster Dermot McMurrica for getting him back on the throne and so they immediately named them. so there's a Tancred's town named after Tancred the, uh, um, there's a butler's town named after William de Butler who was the, the most famous Norman knight he was a superstar of his time he was like the, mm. the David Beckham of Norman knights he would win all the tournaments and was world famous uh, there was uh, an Arthur's town there's a Templar's town there's a Bastard's town that would have been named after um, a Norman knight whose nickname was The Bastard uh, so yeah, I, oh. I, I love it. If you go down, if you, it's well worth taking a little holiday down in Wexford and just driving around, even just to see—not only to see the wonderful medieval ruins that are in incredible condition, but the, uh, the place names are class. That is the nerdiest thing I've ever done on this podcast, and that this is this episode
0: is brought to that you is a by high visit Wexford.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by visit Wexford. Like go hand down there to the sunny south east. You can get strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> Derek making a pitch for the Wexford Tourist Board right there. <laughs>
0: Come on, lads. We're selling a chase out Strawberries and pedejos. Get down to Wexford. So and then in the actual in the in in the chambers of South Dublin County Council, well you will be you will be having many kind of parliamentary rows. With your newly elected with your newly elected colleagues where you'll be um crossing the floor saying, This will not stand. This will Who not will stand? speak for Kung Talk?
1: Yeah.
0: Um Is has there been a, a much Gaelga used in the last term?
1: No. No. Uh, last term was pretty poor, to be honest with you. Um uh where it was used, it was kinda Tokenistic. There have been some great councillors that speak Irish, no doubt about it. When Sarah Holland, the Sinn Féin mayor of South Dublin, when she was mayor, um, Irish was really pushed to the fore. And likewise, uh, when Dermot Looney who has recently just stepped down. He's finished his uh, time in politics, concentrating on his his day job. He is a social democrat, but he was an independent uh, when he was mayor of of, uh, South Dublin. And he used Irish uh, quite a bit. And, you know, and uh, some former councillors like Breida Bonner uh, used it as well. But uh, I, I think... To be honest with you, there is a lack of Irish in local government, the length and breadth of the country. And I, I think we need to we need to do something about that. But having ten percent of the South Dublin County Council will have come from one school, yeah. I think I think we I think we have a duty to use Irish where possible and we we have a, a responsibility to promote it in our in our day to day work as councillors. And look, it certainly was always on my uh my agenda was always on my my campaign platform. You know that, like, I will be making Irish more more visible and and more practical uh, in in local politics. Uh, that's I'm, I'm the Green Party's Irish language spokesperson. I, I do a podcast about the Irish language with you, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of it's um, it's important that we kind of we get that in our targets, get that in our sights, and and, and try and uh, try and affect that change.
0: There's a detail in in local government. We don't have by elections, local government, and. So when a councillor uh, leaves, there it's, it's, the seat is filled from the pool?
1: Yeah, it's co-option, it's called. Um, and to be honest with you, that's a very civilised way of doing things. It's the same thing we do more or less at the European level as well. There's not a lot of, of, of countries that, that operate on a by-election basis. Mm-hmm. But then again, there's not a lot of countries where politics is so individual and so based around personalities and persons. So at national level, if we lose a TD, if we lose a Fine Gael TD, for example, Francis Fitzgerald. Has been elected to the European Parliament. She yep. is a TD for Dublin Midwest. We will hold a by-election because we realize that a lot of people didn't vote for Finnegale. They voted for Francis Fitzgerald. So now we need to hold a by-election. At a local level, it's not so much if you lose a Green Councillor for whatever reason, resignation, illness, death, or promotion Marriott they run for a, a general election or European election or Gideon um, then you co-opt from the same party because yeah. at, at local level you get back to a more sort of a pure form of party politics and, and party policies so yeah and at European level when you run for election you submit your list of replacements so um, some parties allow you to put down anyone on that list of replacements you can put down yeah. your brother your cousin your sister your wife yeah. your husband your father uh, and then other parties have a democratic process f- to elect the replacement lists and uh, and then what happens is if somebody gets ill or takes up a different office, like for example, when Joe Higgins, the Socialist MEP, became Joe Higgins, the Socialist TD, Paul yeah. Murphy, who was a member of the Socialist Party and a member of Joe Higgins' staff, became the MEP. And that was great. That allowed him to build enough profile to become Paul Murphy TD. And yeah. he's been doing great work. Did he
0: uh, switch parties uh, after he became MEP?
1: No, they just changed their name oh, again right. and again and again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was um, Socialist Party became became Solidarity. And I think they're called... Are they called Workers Solidarity no. now? Um, anyway, they, they operate uh, for electoral reasons. It's hard to keep up. Solidarity people before profit, yeah.
0: It's like trying to know who's in the Sugar Babes anymore.
1: Yeah, is Siobhan gone or is she... Because
0: oh, I, I think the original members all, all formed after they all left and they weren't allowed to use the name anymore even though they were the original Sugar Babes. And they was a... Uh... This sounds exactly like the Dubliners. It's... <laughs> like, you yeah. know, that that's actually not the only comparison between those two bands. Really? <laughs> We'll do a special on We're that going one. To special. But. <laughs>
1: Mucha Buena and Ronnie Drew
0: are <laughs> soulmates. They both worked with Groove Armada. I am stunned
1: by this. The Dubliners <laughs> worked with Groove Armada? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on, a, on, a, on a semi-serious note, okay. though, the the Dubliners brand is gone. The Dubliners will never gig again because those that were in the original Dubliners are retired. So the former members of the Dubliners are gigging now as the Dublin Legends, and they're touring Europe and they're just mm-hmm. bringing the same music and songs and stories to the people. So, yeah, it's uh, I don't know what the Sugar Babes do. Do they do they spell it differently? Sugar Babes. I think they,
0: I think they they, they have as much as Siobhan Keisha. I think it, that's they just have the oh, okay. the names mashed up. M S K. Something like that. And SK into his house. Similarly, the because uh, Ronnie Drew was famously not actually from Dublin. Yeah, yeah, tell the stories about Dublin there for me house in Greystones County Wicklow. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah, it's um but yeah, the um but yeah, he he basically pointed out and Luke Kelly had always said us that they were named after the Joyce stories yeah, of course collection. They weren't actually they weren't just saying we're from Dublin, so Dublin but...
1: is sure Sean Cannon was from Galway. Uh, he he's from Galway. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like, not everyone was from It's it, it, like the kind of people project what they want to (laughs) onto the Dubliners you know what I mean like it's like I remember I once heard them referred to as a ra band and I was like that is absolutely inaccurate that's completely completely, and totally inaccurate they're a ballad group
0: completely and, and Luke Kelly would not have uh, accepted that and he he made a point of kind of a, and uh, he was a, he championed certain British artists as well he, 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 songwriters who he found interesting
1: yeah they were so anti-sectarian and they were so pro-peace and like if you look at if you look at the work that they did for example working with Phil Coulter mm-hmm. around and like and that said like you're still singing songs about an oppressed minority in the north of course because social justice is social justice and that's what yeah. you know what I mean that's, that's what drove their engine you know it, it's uh, you, know, you can do that without advocating violence or being uh, you know, nakedly sectarian of the likes and, and uh, the Dublins were brilliant. they're absolutely fantastic. and check out the Dublin Legends if' you're, if you ever see them gigging near you. it's the same songs, same stories, it's absolutely fantastic.
0: Tell us now roughly what is and isn't within the the realms of what a councillor can do. I mean, some councillors make crazy promises. Yeah. They, some councillors have basically said they're going to stop Brexit. <laughs>
1: yeah, seen that. Yeah, that's great. Uh,
0: other councillors said they're going to they're going to they're going to knock give Trump a bloody nose when he comes over here, or and and other councillors have you know made interesting comments about basically kind of about reversing global warming by flying around the world in the other direction or something.
1: I'm not sure I saw that one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to plant some trees. Okay. I think that's a realistic aim. (laughs) No, one of the things I was really careful about on the doors is not making these insane promises. Like, you know, local politics is local. And it's funny, we we end up... um, talking an awful lot about national politics on the doors when you're running for local election like there were people going like oh what way were you on repeal the 8th and you know weird and I was like I campaigned to repeal the 8th amendment I'm, you know I'm 100% uh, pro-choice and that's that's my position on that and you know what about the status of the Irish language and all that yeah yeah great no problem you know what about you know climate change what are the big issues around climate change and all that and then when it comes to a general election they'll be asking some f- fix the pothole at the end of their road Yeah. so it's like we do have it a bit arse about face in that respect so i was. Careful not to make gigantic, humongous promises about changing the world. But one of the key issues is trying to make. The areas that I represent a better place to live in for everybody, and that means a focus on biodiversity, and it means a focus on public and active transport, and it means clean air. Air pollution is a big issue; that's killing more people than smoking is at the moment, you know. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we need we can do things about that. There are little, tiny little things we can do. For example, like what about not having a million cars outside every single primary school at <laughs> ten to nine in the morning, yes. with the engine turning over, because kids don't walk to school anymore. You know, let's let's take let's take that back a few steps why don't kids walk to school? Okay, let's make it safer for them to walk. You know, okay, let's make it easier for that to be the easiest option. Let's make it easier for public transport to be the easiest option. People want to do the right thing, particularly when it comes to green politics. People want to do the right thing, but like there are people out there who think they're recycling perfectly, but they didn't get the memo off their recycling company because everything's been privatized that they don't accept soft plastic anymore. So they're accidentally contaminating bins full of recyclable waste and, you know, people, people, you know Jesus it just should be the easiest thing in the world to do the right thing and that's our focus that's what we want to do it's very very frustrating and how difficult it is because there's always an additional layer of bureaucracy or administration there and we need to sort of pare that back and we need to look at what can we do at our local level at our local council level to to make life easier better more enjoyable for, for everyone you know there's people out there commuting four hours of every day because the only affordable housing they could get their hands on was out in Mullingar or Athlone and they're still working in Dublin. And, you know, on a national level, we need to look at how do we use public housing, for example, to alleviate that problem? Not just 10,000 people who are officially homeless, But how do we do it at a county by county basis to make life easier for, say, an entire generation of people who are locked out still living at home with mom and dad because they can't afford the rent? Mm -hmm. And if they can't afford the rent, they certainly can't afford to save for a mortgage. And if you live in Ireland, we don't do apartment living well. We don't do do long-term leases. So every single Mm -hmm. rental in this country is a short-term solution. So you kind of unfortunately have to buy a house. So how are we going to make it easier for people to rent, save for a mortgage, and eventually buy a house? And what role do county councils have to play? that and county councils can have a huge role in that and they just have to they have to tear up the roadmap of business as usual because business as usual is not working. You know the way things work at the moment is a county council gets a patch of land, they sell it to a developer. The developer builds a bunch of houses they sell that to rights and investment trusts mm-hmm. who you know they, they pay a fortune for it so they're looking to get that back in rent. So they're trying to rent at the highest possible Price tag at the highest possible margin. They're not paying tax on that rent, you know. So there's no benefit to society from that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if developers are getting loans off the basis of future earnings, why can't county councils? Why can't county councils take on the building work directly themselves? You know, yeah. Become the subcontractor, become the contractor, become the general contractor even, and and uh, you know subcontract out the building of houses, and then become the landlord themselves, you know, and charge a fair rent that's based on the cost of the building or based on the income of the the person's going in there. But that's just one of of many many solutions. We've mm. seen it work in other countries. It works in Vienna. It works in um, it works all across Austria, all across other European countries. Uh, cost rental is something that we do want to bring forward in in local areas up and down the country. And it, you know, it'll be a hard slog to get it done because while everybody talks about this big green wave and how great it is, we're still not mm. the biggest. We're not the biggest party by a long shot. Um, people still overwhelmingly voted for. Or either Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. You know, yeah. half the country still votes either Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. So unless the other half of the country gets its shit together, that's going to happen for a long time. So we need to work with with all parties and none. And we need to, particularly at local level, where you're not talking about massive compromise on policy issues or anything like that. You're not talking mm-hmm. about the dark days of going into coalition with Fianna Fáil. You're talking about putting together a block of county councillors that can work effectively. So it's a different kind of politics and it's one that we Greens, we feel we're pretty good at. So we would look, we just want to make places... Better for everyone to live. The role that local government has—it's been totally depowered over the last couple of years. Um, there was an electoral reform act that was passed by Phil Hogan when he was the minister for housing, planning, and local government, and it completely and totally took the teeth out of councillors. Um, one of the things the Greens did uh, when we were in government was we ended the uh, the dual mandate. Uh, yes, you know, county councillors and TDs couldn't be the one and the same person anymore. And ever since then, the larger parties have wanted to take power away from the county councillors, and they've managed it and they they gerrymandered the uh, local electoral areas to put fewer seats in so fewer smaller parties could get in and you know it's a challenge it's always a challenge to to try and utilise the powers of a county councillor for good but we, you know we, we're confident that we have enough of a say around budgets enough of a say around priorities enough of a say around strategy the strategic policy committees in every county and uh, there's the education and training boards there's the housing and planning you know there's so much that county councillors have a say in if not the final say and, and, and that's where we're going to try and do the very best we can for the people of the areas that we represent, excellent.
0: And on, on the on the weekend of the election, during the long cricket match of it, you were um, <laughs> you were present on a number of Irish language broadcasting. Uh, you were you really get, getting your spoken. There was some great content that a lot of people may not have realised they would have really enjoyed if they'd given it a shot.
1: Yeah, um, um, we. Uh, yeah, you're right in that. Like, it is absolutely. Um, incredible entertainment and uh, Radiana Gaelthic uh, and TG Car had some fantastic programmes on over the course of the weekend um, one of the things I've always found about the Irish language media is there's a level of honesty that just isn't there in the English language media Yes, simply because like us looking for podcast guests, <laughs> it's not a big pool. It's not a huge pool of people mm-hmm. we can get on to talk about stuff related to the Irish language, and it's even fewer that can do it in the Irish language. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it means that when you get people on they're they're kind of they're they're quite honest about the the struggle that they've just gone through. They're quite honest about the uphill battle that they face. And I, I, I had a camera put in my face when I was at one stage, I was 24 votes ahead Uh, and hanging on by the skin of my teeth to that last seat waiting for transfers to come in and uh, I, I'm being interviewed by RTE asking, what's the bigger picture? How are all the Greens feeling? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, in other places, they feel great, but I'm nervous here. <laughs> uh, but it was great. It was it was fantastic. So, yeah, it was wonderful. And a lot of that on Rally on the Ground, that they would be podcasted. And there's a lot of great terminology in there. If you're a fowler more, it's great to listen back to that. It's it's really, really good. Uh, and one of the key things is that, like, you know, we cover elections uh, we cover them quite beautifully. We get a few mm-hmm. old talking heads on the English language stations. It's a bit boring. It's the same people talking about the same tropes. They can't understand where, you know. Oh, you can't understand why people are finally talking about climate change, you know. And you just roaring <laughs> at the television it's because we can see it, you idiot. Like, <laughs> but on the Irish language media, there's just a lot more honesty to it. It's a bit more mm-hmm. like, well, no, I've, I've actually been speaking to people, and you know, they do realise <laughs> that this is a problem, that this is an issue, and this is an issue, and that's not an issue, you know. Mm-hmm. But sure, look, that that's it. We've had, uh, and we've seen some 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 great stuff emerge over the course of the election campaign massive shout out to Saoirse McHugh yes uh, from um, she wrote a lovely article on about why this is the most definitive time of our era for climate change so if you're interested in reading a bit of Sgaelge her article is still up on NOS uh, which is a fantastic magazine site and uh, she is just just v- very narrowly missed out on, on being in serious contention there. She did brilliantly. And I just think like if she'd been focused on by the media for five weeks instead of just nine days, yeah. she really could have she really could have taken a seat. But she's an amazing,
0: amazing person. We haven't heard the last of her. Oh, no, and no, no, definitely I yeah, uh, I think she she just might be the Irish AOC. Yeah, yeah. Hope. Damn right. And before we wrap up, uh Padre, I do have a question to ask, and it's about a issue of uh Judgment and local government councillors. If you have a bottle of wine in one hand and a bottle of beer in the other hand, and you see a polished wood swing, um, do you hold the two bottles in your hand while you use the swing? Do you do you put them down? Do you enjoy the swing? Do you just walk past? Yeah.
1: Um. Whatever you do, whatever you do. You don't go on the radio doubling down about it afterwards, <laughs> you know. If you fall off a swing, just kind of, just, you know, get that on the DL and keep it as quiet as you can. And if somebody points out that you've, you know, that, that, that you've fallen off a swing, you know, just.
0: Uh, yeah, I I, th- I think it's just one of those things that say, like, if you, um like, yeah, if, if. Like if if I snuck into a hotel kitchen and I was kind of uh, I was eating grub and I, 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 I a slammed the fridge on my on uh, my door I, I think I, 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 I slammed it the fridge. This sounds my like something arm. you've done. And then I would then. In the are, process, you, are you
1: speaking from experience? I wouldn't.
0: Be, <laughs> I'd be reluctant to draw attention to that by suing the hotel.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to comment on an active legal case being taken by a member of the Aractus. Oh, but, I, I, uh, I was just talking
0: hypothetically. Of course, I, of course, of course. because I heard a gift group sketch about it, so I assumed that you know this is a. Uh, an entertaining thing, anyway. <laughs> and, enough of that nonsense, uh, Padre, Okay, well, we're we're I think I'm sure I, I'm sure I speak on behalf of most of our listeners when I say, <laughs> when,
1: a very say <laughs> when I say, diplomatic, most when I say, thanks, a million to everybody for continuing to tune in and listen to the podcast. Um yeah, you, you make it what it is, guys. And uh, I love doing this. This is this is great. More season two, more season two.
0: More season two. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So I'll tell the next time it's a slon from me.
1: A salon, <laughs> well, the slon shit.
0: Motherfucker comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thanks to Brian for Producing. Thanks to Kirsten for doing the Art. If you want to contact the show, you can contact us at motherfuckerheadstuff.org. Until the next time, Slongafo. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
1: The county councillors' receptions were known for their spice bags.